0: It's not a press conference. It's a primetime time address. Let's, let, let, let's say this again for the people in the cheap seats. Joe Biden is 50 days into his presidency, has not addressed the press, has not taken questions in the setting. Been a hundred years since the president has done such a thing. And tonight, being the one year anniversary of the pandemic, he's going to make an address to the country and not take questions. Now, maybe we don't need him taking questions because we know exactly what we're going to get. When he gets asked about why he hasn't had a press conference, when he's asked a question, hey, how come you don't answer questions from the press? He immediately pivots to a question about surpluses. Right? He immediately gets into the idea of maybe I'll avoid your question altogether and go to another question altogether. We're going to get it done. Thank you. Mr. President, what
1: are the surplus? will you the surplus? Mr. President, what will you do The surplus will, if we have a surplus, we're going to share it with the rest of the world. We've already decided that we're going to work with the outfit COVAX. We've committed $4 billion to help get the funding for more vaccines around the world. This is not something that can be stopped by a fence no matter how high you build a fence or a wall. So we're not going to be ultimately safe until the world is safe. And so we're going to start off making sure Americans are taken care of first, but we're then going to try to help the rest of the world. Thank you.
0: So he can answer a question. He's got the skill set. But not a press conference? He answered one question, which I'm sure they're very unhappy with, that he answered. And by the way, he didn't give a bad answer. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669, Facebook Tony Katz Radio, online at TonyKatz.com. He is right, you take care of America first and then you can help others. I am actually in favor of this philosophy, we've discussed it here. There are people on the political left who don't believe you should help America first, you should take care of all the other countries first, because that's equity. Ooh, you see how bad of an idea that is? Equity is not about bringing people up. Equity is about keeping people down. We will get into that more and more. I understand why people discuss it, but they don't actually have a definition. They don't have an, an understanding or they're not they're afraid to share the the, the bigger understanding. They're not talking about people getting uh, the same chances. They're talking about people getting the same outcomes. And they do that by destroying other parts of culture, specifically Western culture as a whole. I've got proof. I come with receipts. But the answer to that question is the right question. We take care of America first with vaccines. We have a surplus. We'll help the rest of the world. Smart maneuver. By the way, you got to hold some back because you never know when you might have a pocket of people that didn't get vaccinated for fear or for lack of knowledge for some other things. who need a vaccine. You got to have it. There's nothing wrong with his answer. But he was asked, why haven't you had a press conference? He stared directly at that reporter and went to another question. The plan from the Biden team is not to do a press conference, and one has to ask themselves why. I find this entire administration remarkably arrogant and smug. Uh, To listen to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is nails on a chalkboard. Now, you should note, I also feel that way about Eric Swalwell. So before anybody starts screaming sexist, settle yourself down. Would you please? Thank you so much. I have no time for your crazy. She is. She's just petty, shallow. Um, I, 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 I would, I would argue low rent. You would, you could say, well, Tony's, could you disagree with the politics? I could. There are people I disagree with on the politics who can figure out how not to be a gigantic jerk. Oh, to listen to her, Dick Durbin. Oh, it's just, it's, it's. It's just awful, awful, and I think that the press is starting to wear a touch thin on her shtick, on the circle back, on the let me um, let me uh, be, be demeaning, let me laugh in your face. Wait till you hear a whole conversation between her and uh, and Peter Ducey about about the border. Peter Ducey's the only reporter right now in the press briefing room. The only reporter in the press briefing room. Jim Acosta dreams, fetishizes about being as good of a reporter as Peter Doocy. So tonight, Joe Biden is going to have a primetime show where he talks about a year later. The thing that he should do that he will not do, and if he does, I will eat my hat, The thing that he should do is credit the Trump administration, and he should say it that way, for Operation Warp Speed. It worked. It undeniably worked. The idea of pre-placing the orders, ensuring the money was in place, and stepping out of the way worked. In empowering these organizations and his team to get things done quickly and effectively worked. Reducing the regulations, stripping those things away, and allowing smart people to be smart worked. Joe Biden should say so. If Joe Biden had any, any uh, uh, style, he would do exactly that. I don't think he will. I think he will miss a magic moment for, wait, what do they call it? That's right, Unity. Now, we're clear, you and I, we fully understand each other that there's absolutely no interest for unity amongst the Democratic Party. There's only the interest of, of, of the destruction. There is only interest in destruction. Uh, destroy the Republican Party and leave nothing left. Have no one to fight against you. That's, that's absolutely, positively the plan. You see that from uh, the squad members. You see that from Chuck Schumer. You see that from Speaker Pelosi. You see that from members of the administration that are getting approved in cabinet spots or maybe not approved. That's all they believe. You certainly see it from the social media play. 100%. 100%. There is no unity. Now, Biden wants to be that overarching and actually grab some of that and try for some of that. This is the way to do it. I don't think he will. In the same reason, or for the same reason, he doesn't do press conferences. This is a tightly controlled White House, and one has to question whether or not Biden has the control. That is a different conversation than whether or not I think there is a coup, which is to say, well, you know, uh, Kamala Harris is really running things. I have absolutely no way of knowing that, neither do you. Well, you you can believe it. I'm not telling you you can't believe it. You could totally believe it. I am making the argument that those around him control everything, and he is more than willing to go along with it. Joe Biden is not a man of strength. Joe Biden is not a man of strength. So he goes along with it. And by the way, a tightly controlled White House, isn't that exactly what the Obama White House was? It's just that Barack Obama was was more able to speak. I mean, I like what he had to say, but he's more able to speak. Joe Biden clearly isn't. Now, I say that when every now and again he gives a fine answer, just like he did on on, on surplus vaccine. But tonight, uh, you're not getting the presser. You are still without a press conference, and they don't care, because they know there's no media to push back on them. None whatsoever. Let's talk about media pushback. For example, you heard me say that I find Jen Psaki just to be uh, nails on a chalkboard. I feel the same way about Eric Swalwell. I feel the same way about Dick Durbin. Uh, uh, Chris Murphy and Richard Blumenthal, the senators from Connecticut. Uh, Richard Blumenthal especially because he lied about his Vietnam service. I got a, a, a tweet. You find the Biden administration smug? Are you kidding? After the past four years of the King of Arrogant? See, that's just it. That's just it, Alan, on Twitter. I appreciate the tweet. You don't listen. Did I or did I not say you can call Trump and Trump's tweets uh, anything you want? You can call him arrogant. I never took Sarah Huckabee Sanders for arrogant. I never took, oh, Stephanie, what's her last name? Grisham. Stephanie Grisham. I never took her for arrogant. I never took Kelly McEnany for arrogant. I never took uh, 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 Wilbur Ross for arrogant. I never took Steve Mnuchin for arrogant. Never once. Never, ever, ever once. Trump. Trump was Trump. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, this is part of the problem. I don't know why it's so difficult for, for some people uh, to just accept the fact that we cover things honestly and clearly here. You can admit the fact that Jen Saki comes off as arrogant and rude and disrespectful and, and and elitist? Okay, she does. I'm here to tell you. If you, if you don't want to think it for yourself and just be honest about it, that's okay. I'll just tell you and you can just accept that as given. But notice how this all goes back to Trump. Everything is Trump. I'm not even talking about Trump. I'm talking about the administration and everyone brings it back to Donald Trump. Guys, I wish it was going to get better. It will never get better. This is the boogeyman for the political left. And nothing you talk about policy-wise will... Ever matter, they'll bring it back to Trump. They can't have a conversation otherwise. And how wonderful it is for the political left to be able to distill things down to that kind of gooey minutiae. You know what? is not the right word. That's not the right word, Tony. No, no, use the right word. They want the most simpleton concepts to reign supreme. Trump, bad. What they used to say, orange man, bad. Orange man, bad. Trump, bad. Nothing greater than that. That's all you have to think. Almost in Pavlovian response, you hear Trump, you immediately go to hate and that's it. Doesn't matter. Anything someone's saying, oh, Trump. A detailed philosophical view of the world, oh, Trump. This this is going to be part of the massive problem in engaging conversation because they won't talk policy. Oh, Trump will be the answer. Orange Mad Bad will be the answer. I just proved it right here from one tweet. From somebody not listening, just saying, wait, arrogant, what about Trump? It's not about Trump. It's about how you treat people, right? You want to argue that President Trump didn't treat people well? Feel free. I'm arguing that Jen Psaki and that members of the administration and that members of the Democratic Party don't treat people well. That's, that's my view. It's just, I happen to be Right? I'm Tony Katz. Meanwhile, the COVID relief bill, and it's $1.9 trillion, which passed the House 220 to 211. One Democrat voting against, no Republicans voting for, and rightfully so. And I'm seeing people, how can Republicans claim they care they wouldn't even vote to give help? $1.9 trillion, and less than 10% of it is actual help. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, great to be with you. 10% of it, less than 10% of it is actual help. If I'm paying off liabilities of the city of San Francisco, that's not COVID relief. That's a payoff orchestrated by Speaker Pelosi for her district. I'm not interested in being on the hook for that. I think it's a terrible idea. So yes, I'm opposed to the bill. If you tell me we're going to give focused help to people who have been impacted by coronavirus, right? I'm fine. I'm good with that. But this, we're we're, we're if it was uh, Mitch McConnell, it was cocaine Mitch? who said, um, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Cuomo's got one less thing to worry about. Uh, Chuck Schumer just took care of his financial situation. That's a rough and tumble line, baby. And, and it's the truth. It is the God's honest truth. So no, I'm, a, I'm opposed to this. And, and yet if you follow me on, on, on Facebook, for example, uh, Tony Katz Radio, we, we've got a couple people who've been trolling like it's their job. I don't know what they do for a living. We're talking about, I, I probably at this stage, 100 comments over the past week. I don't have 100 comments. It's my page. It's nuts. And they're posting graphics. Look at what a good job this bill does. Look at all the people it helps. The, the graphics a lie. <laughs> you want me to just start coming up with graphics? I'll go to Fiverr. I'll get you all the graphics you could ever want. The bill's a bad bill. Helping uh, people who have been impacted because of shutdowns, I think, is valuable. Even I can see my way clear to it. One point nine trillion dollars, and they're not done. They want to do something after this. It's an obscenity, but it'll get signed into law on a Friday, and it's gonna—you know—it's gonna be part two of this uh, primetime address from President Biden. I still have trouble saying that tonight. Meanwhile, in Texas, the Attorney General there, Ken Paxton, threatening to sue the city of Austin because Texas has said no more mask mandates and Austin is saying mask mandates. Austin is choosing to keep the COVID-19 mask mandate for businesses in place. This is interesting because does a city have rights? Does the city of Austin... Have the right to say we have a mask mandate in Austin, Texas. Now, this is um, the governor's order is called a GA thirty four, and he and he's saying on if you don't comply uh, on behalf of the state of Texas, I will sue you. I'm not so sure. Maybe there's something with Texas law that I would have to learn. But just on on a a general note, doesn't a city have the right to say, yeah, this is the way we do it? I'm not not 100% sure. Now, I have seen, for example, in my own beloved Indiana, where cities actually don't have the ability to do certain things. It is up to the state to give them the authority to do so. But if a city or a county had a health issue, could that county issue a, a, a warning or what or what have you, even if the state doesn't? I believe they can. It's not the, I'm not in favor of mandates. You know where I'm at. But I think this is kind of fascinating. Now, uh, there's an overarching. And just so we understand each other, the the mayor of, of Austin, Steve Adler, is a chump. He's a chump. This is the guy who said, Don't you go traveling for Thanksgiving while he was on vacation in Cancun. Clearly, he was just making sure the place was cool for Ted Cruz. This is not a good guy. This is a radical progressive. Austin, Austin is the city that said Uber "Hmm, doesn't pay enough. We can't have Uber here So they passed legislation to prevent Uber and Lyft They started their own their own citywide ride-sharing service, and it went under in months Uber is a multi-billion dollar company paid a billion dollars for Drizzly picking up companies everywhere Lyft is doing well and the city of Austin couldn't create a ride-sharing service in Austin to save their lives Government never can. It's just not capable. You need the private sector. But I'm not so sure they don't have the right to have the mandate, even if I disagree with it. I got to check with... I need some lawyers. Where are my Texas people at? Someone help me out with this. I got to know. Speaking of Texas. All right, all right, all right. It's coming up. So according to Forbes, Disney World is nearly sold out for spring break. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Tony at TonyKatz.com if you want to send an email. Also find us on Parlor, Instagram, and Twitter at Tony Katz. I find this very, very interesting. Now, Disney World is the one in Florida. Right, As opposed to Disneyland, which is in California, which is having issues being open because California is a hellscape. Oh, wait till you hear about one of the new things going on with schools in California. I've got that story in the next hour. I swear to you, I didn't want to do another school story. These people just don't stop. Radicals. Everyone pushing anti-racism. Everyone pushing critical race theory. All radicals, all Marxists, I bring you more receipts. I find this interesting because there was a story locally, or it was from a a local group called the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. Good, good site. About how airlines are offering super cheap fares. I haven't noticed that. Maybe I don't do enough traveling to notice, but I haven't noticed it. I haven't noticed that they're super cheap, that they're fighting each other. I did notice that we, we considered going away for spring break. Uh, first week in April, we're going to go away with the family. We haven't gone away in, 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 a, in a while, of course, like a lot of people, and looked at the pricing and said, no. I cannot figure out how the average family of four can go on vacation. Like, like take take Disney. How is that How is that not $5,000 plus? It is. It is, right? I'm impressed with all the people who just have a spare 5, 6 grands laying around. We look at it, we stare at it, we're like, nope, "No, nope, no, nope, we got to do something else with that." Or no, we we we, we got to have that for for another day. Now maybe maybe it's 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 me because I've already gone through in my life losing everything. And I won't do it again. So I'm a little more uh cautious on some of those things and I don't engage some of the some of the some of the vacations as maybe I, I should. But man, it's and people go all the time and they go twice. I'm I'm always impressed. And then I wonder how much debt they have. There there is 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 the question. Man, I think it's interesting that they're sold out because what um what we're saying is is that we, we say society may still want to be a little more distant from each other, but they're all going to be online, all waiting for the Star Wars ride. We're, we're going to watch that happen in real time. Meanwhile, 55 New York Democrats calling on Andrew Cuomo to resign. And they are actually engaged in a meeting to talk about potential paths forward. That... Is a conversation about impeachment. How long can can the CNNs and the MSNBCs, the Washington Post, the New York Times of the world, how long can they go without discussing this story twenty four seven? Governor Cuomo has six women accusing him of harassment and impropriety, and some of these stories are remarkably, remarkably similar. Then, of course, you have 15,000 dead people because of his policies. And if you don't want to say 15,000, okay, 10,000? I mean, pick a number. His policies are indeed responsible for a fair number. Also, he hid data and purposely worked to hide data from the people of New York. It's a scandal. It's a massive, massive scandal. What makes anybody think it could be effective when Democrats are saying you got to go? No one's I mean, there are a couple of people out there, of course, who will who will do anything to uh, to, to protect. Right. They, they do. They do what they do what they do. But you got to realize how bad this all is. This is all very, very bad. And Democrats see it and they're like, do we want to spend our capital on this or do we want to spend our capital on progressive policies? Remember why they're doing it. Ain't nothing altruistic. They're doing it so they don't have to apply that capital to him and they can put it to policy. Whether it be policy about late, 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 late term uh, 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 abortion. Whether it be policy to uh, to government spending, that's it seems very obvious that that's what's happening here. At first, it was like, all right, maybe some Democrats are really bothered by this. Nah, it's a it's it, it's it's a whole different it's a whole different play. Now, who takes over? Right? Uh, could could. If the governor is impeached, right, the lieutenant governor takes over, I don't know if they even do uh, special uh, elections there. I have no clue. Um, down in Texas, though, there's a whole conversation a- about governor. Because Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, he has discussed an interest in running. Matthew McConaughey has been like, look, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if we can make it about things that matter, I, 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 I'm interested. It's politics. I don't know what you're going to make matter or not matter. Right? You know, politics changes people. You know, you you you, you run in, in you campaign in poetry, you govern in prose. It's different. You got to sometimes strike deals with people you don't want to strike deals with because that's the only way you can get part of what you want done, done. Right, the, 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 the issue with the absolutist is that they're in this all-or-nothing proposition. If you don't do it all, well, then you're a traitor and you're terrible and all these things. It, the, that isn't the way it works. And, and um, with, without question, part of that is by design. The difference between a Republican and other things. That things do move slowly, but things move more safely when they move slowly. I think that's, that's something of, of value. I think there are things you don't, you don't change your mind on. For example, if I ever ran for office, I would never, I would never vote for a tax increase. There would be nothing. It wouldn't matter what it is. If a tax increase is involved, the answer is no. I'm not buying into that, no matter how important it is. I say that now. The question is, do I have the strength to be able to do it when I'm there? By the way, the answer is yes. It's it's a hundred percent yes. It's not even a debate. One hundred percent. I don't vote for tax increases. We've got enough money. Leave people alone. By the way, I vote to abolish the IRS and abolish the personal income tax. No good has ever come from it. It has only destroyed people and divided people. Used as a cudgel by the federal government against the citizens they are supposed to represent. No thank you. Get rid of it immediately. Honestly, I think that's that's a pretty good platform right there. I think you vote for me. I think McConaughey's got a better tagline.
1: All right, all right, all right.
0: I mean, that that would be the bumper sticker. McConaughey, 24. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, how, how do you go against that? How do you begin to fight that? By the way, McConaughey is 51. I don't know what made me think he was much older. I thought he was much older. 51. I don't know what he's going to do. We will follow it. Meanwhile, more people distrusting the military than ever before. of military.com is here to discuss it. Coming up, I'm Tony Katz. The Reagan National Defense Survey. Can't tell you that I was much familiar with it. But it was conducted last month and found a decline in the attitudes of Americans across the board, including declining trust and confidence in the military. What brings this about? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Hope Sec is the editor over at Military.com. She joins us right now. Uh, You have the story. You follow these things, Hope, and we've spoken about uh, military issues many, many times. Talk to me about uh, this survey, the organization that conducted it, and whether or not this goes along with things that you have been noticing and following within the military landscape.
1: This was really chilling. I... From time to time, we'll give talks and lectures to uh, service members at the Defense Information School, folks who deal with the media, public affairs officers. And one keystone of my presentation has always been to compare the military's national approval ratings to any other agency or organization. Uh, And they've always been sky high and you talk about congress it's much lower and then i always point out that the media is trailing the, the pack at the at the very bottom but i've always said that that trust and confidence level in the military is theirs to lose and i just never really expected to see it drop off so precipitously
0: now and let's talk about I those numbers really quick that, but let me just go over some numbers really quick. In 2018, according to the survey, 70% of Americans said they had a great deal of trust and confidence in the military. Now it's 56%. So let's get into, as as you may have, what causes this? Are these about specific groups of people or is there something specific to the military that, according to the study, people are having an issue with?
1: So, of course, there's some sort of prognostication here. We don't know exactly why people uh, choose to rate things the way they do, but I do have some ideas. First of all, there are several really high-profile events that I think have really uh, shaken confidence in the military. The the fact that there was a confused National Guard response on January 6th, the, the incident last June where uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, appeared with the president in uniform for a pretty controversial photo op and then kind of later apologized. Uh, I also think that there was a a year recently, um, in the last year, the Pentagon has come back and done more press briefings. But for a year in, in the Trump administration, there were zero briefings from the podium. And there would be things like for example, uh, Iran uh, shooting down a U.S. drone or uh, skirmishes in the Persian Gulf, and there would not be solid information. So I think the lack of transparency and communication there has also taken a toll.
0: Talking to Hope Sec, uh, the managing editor of Military.com. Uh, people are going to look at you and say, oh, sure, blaming Trump isn't that uh, uh- easy to do or isn't that what people do is your argument that this is a trump related phenomenon or is is it your argument that some issues within the military that have been taking place before trump's things that we discussed just made their way into further bad decisions from in a very visible way i think
1: there was a trend that predated president Trump. Of a crackdown and a lockdown on transparency. And I think that's probably one of the most troubling factors, at least. Yeah, my fellow reporters definitely think so. And uh, even even fairly popular defense secretaries, uh, Trump's first defense secretary, Jim Mattis, uh, he was very loath to engage and and kind of communicate with the public about uh, what the Defense Department was doing. And ultimately, uh, you know, having that transparency, not giving the American people a reason to think that the military is holding information or acting differently than what they represent to the public, uh, that's, that's what trust is all about.
0: Now let's take it uh, to, uh, just a, a little bit further. Was this, a, when when we read the story over at military.com, uh, um, people under 30, only 38% have a great deal of, of confidence, a drop of 15 points, 44% of black voters, 48% of Democrats, 51% of women having great uh, deal of confidence in the military. That would play into the idea that someone's politics on any other subject, regardless of what they know about the military, are playing in here, and that is less of maybe how somebody feels individually and more how someone feels groupthink. Is is that a way this is viewed, or or it's, it's worse than that, because you called it chilling. Uh, is it worse than that than you think?
1: So I think that one of the big factors here is lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, this has been a growing trend in the U.S., is the fact that very few Americans serve. And, you know, if you look back to to World War II, and, you know, everyone had a a father, sister, mother, brother who was was contributing in some way, and now it's somewhere around 1% of the U.S. population. So there are groups, I think, that no less about the military, and and as a result, um, you know, have more of a dim view, are not able to to kind of understand what they're doing, or um, there there's not that established trust. So I think this is an information and a transparency problem to solve.
0: Before I let you go, couldn't this all just be because 2020 sucked, and everybody's exhausted, and everybody's terrible, and everything's terrible, and this is no time to be conducting a study.
1: <laughs> well, so it goes back to 2018. This is a two-year study and it built on trends that they saw year over year. So 2020 definitely exacerbated a lot of what we see everywhere. It was a bad year, but I think the seeds, the, the roots of all the problems that, that we're experiencing today, uh, they were already in effect. This uh, just really kind of cast them into relief.
0: Hope Sec from military.com. I appreciate you taking uh, the, the time here. Another time we'll get into how you, you build uh, that back, how you build that back, uh, that trust back. But certainly the idea that there isn't a transparency, certainly uh, the the idea that you would see the military acting in non-military ways. I talk to military people who are not happy with the military because they don't act in a strong enough of fashion. They think that the military is something that is meant to be a a, a social type uh, situation as opposed to well as, as some people would say uh, kill people and break things. Right? So there's a question of how we view our military and what we want from it. I don't want my military being a vehicle of 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 social justice. I want my military being a well-trained well-run, extremely disciplined organization that's ready to respond and save lives and keep people safe at a moment's notice. So a little bit of zatitudinal as well, without question. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.